0: We can never truly know what's going on inside someone else's mind and yet that might be just exactly what they need to unburden themselves. So why not offer an ear? Why not listen? I'm Richard Sefton and this is my podcast State of Mind with me, Richard Sefton. Today I'm joined by writer and historian Aidan Enright. Aidan has battled with anxiety and depression throughout his life and has agreed to tell me all about it in this episode. I'd like to look back uh, over your life from childhood to present day, and at the end, you can let everyone know where they can read all about it in greater detail. So first off, Aidan, how are you?
1: Uh, I'm good, Richard, thanks, and thanks for uh, for having me on your podcast. I really enjoy
0: it. It's really, really lovely to have you here, and it's nice to hear that gorgeous accent.
1: Uh, oh, thanks. Uh, whereabouts are you in the world? I live in Saltaire, which is just outside Bradford in uh, West Yorkshire. And that's, um, that's the, the,
0: the natural accent of those. Whereabouts are you from?
1: Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I am from a place called Elfin, which is in, it's a small town in a, a county called Roscommon, which is in the Republic of Ireland, in the western part of the Republic of Ireland.
0: Beautiful. That's, yeah. I mean, just you saying the western part of Ireland could be anything, but I'm thinking beautiful. Well, it sounds beautiful.
1: Well, the thing is, when um, uh, people in in Britain, especially, they say the south of Ireland, but I'm very resistant to that because I'm definitely from the west of Ireland. Okay. So they say the south of Ireland and they, and they mean the Republic of Ireland. They mean the, they the rep- it, yeah. Uh-huh. They call it the south, but like, obviously, Ireland has got a south and an east and a west. Absolutely. <laughs> like any other country.
0: Absolutely. Anyway, so would you class the north of. The Republic, the south of Northern Ireland, <laughs> if, if you know what I mean. Uh,
1: yes, I guess so. Yeah, the southwest, yeah, yeah, because... Yes, I would, yes, yeah. It, the, Ireland is like any other country, like England, you know, you've got different yeah, regions yeah. and different parts of it that people are, you know, their own identities and strong attachments to within the sort of bigger parts of it.
0: I've not seen enough of Ireland. I've been to Ireland, but I've only been to the Republic of Ireland. I've never been to, uh, to Northern Ireland. I've, got, I've never... Have I? No, I haven't. <laughs> I haven't. Where,
1: whereabouts in the south of Ireland have you been?
0: I've been to Cork oh, all right, and yeah. Dublin, but where I was—I think I was about eight or nine when I went to Dublin, so I can't remember it.
1: Yeah, yeah, well, the, the, where I'm from in the west of Ireland is very different to Dublin. Very.
0: It's gorgeous, like, west Atlantic coastline, is it?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, Well, I'm sort of, where I'm from is kind of on the border between the west and the midlands. So I'm not, I'm not, it's an inland county. I don't, it's not, it doesn't have any coastline. But I will
0: look it up at the end of this um, recording and um, yeah. have a look through the images and stuff and make myself jealous. Or maybe book a trip over, why not? Why, why not? not?
1: Why not? Yeah,
0: yeah. Um. So can we start there then? Can we start in childhood? Sure, yeah,
1: yeah. So um, as I say, I grew up in, in a place called Elf- or just outside El Finn. So it was, you know, a farming community, um, um a k- seventy-acre farm, which was kind of, I guess, kind of a middling size farm. So you know, it wasn't. There was lots of really small holdings of you know, sort of twenty acres or thirty acres. But anyway, we grew up on a farm. Um, I was the youngest of nine children. Um, nine uh, children. Yes, yeah. So uh, in yeah, a very typically. So I, I was born nineteen seventy-nine, mm-hmm. and I guess my my generation were the last generation of big families in ireland um (coughs) people stopped then having so many children sort of in the 80s and 90s sort of well you know generally speaking Mm. um you know the tradition was to have big big families um not everybody did but a lot of people did so it wasn't unusual for me to have friends who had six seven eight nine 10, 11 sometimes, <laughs> and ch- children and their fam- and, and their family, or siblings, you know, and their families. Yeah. So, yeah, so I grew up on a farm. Um, as I say, I was the youngest of nine, and it uh, it was, you know, we lived in a nice place. Uh, it was very rural. Um, we all had to chip in and work on the farm from young age. Um, I was milking cows with my dad before I was going to school when I was nine or ten. Wow. So... You know it was it was it, you know in one sense we didn't know any different so it was like we had nothing really to compare it to i guess um but on the other hand you kind of knew that some of my friends in school or most of my friends in school weren't doing that kind of thing mm-hmm. um so i was sort of aware from a young age that we were expected to do a lot um but that was, was, was it a farming
0: community or
1: it was, yeah, predominantly, yes. Yeah. But most
0: of your friends weren't helping their dads, but they were on farms. They yes, yeah, exactly,
1: okay. yeah, yeah. No, they would have been helping out, you know, at the weekends and stuff mm-hmm. like that and doing small little bits and bobs with their, with their, with their dads on the farm, but not sort of full-on, hands-on, sort of to that extent. Okay. And I guess throw into the mix as well the fact that when I was... So what uh, the next brother up from me, uh, Damien, he left home when he was 17, and mm. I was nine when he left. So yeah. I was like the next in line, if you like, um, to sort of take over from...
0: So there was a big gap between the next one up and you?
1: Well, so Damien was a, a twin. Um, it was Damien and Siobhan the twins, and then in between them and me was uh, my sister Chanel and my sister Claire. Okay. okay. So, yeah, so there was a big gap between him and me. Mm. And it was sort of a traditional kind of setup. The boys, so the next mostly, male up, sort of thing, yeah. Yeah, mostly the boys did the work on the uh, and you know outside. Mm-hmm. Now that's not to say that the girls didn't work outside as well. They did, um, uh, but mostly it was the boys who sort of w- were outside with, with her dad on the farm. Yeah. So yeah, so yeah. So it was. Um, yeah, I sort of took over a lot, not all of the jobs that that Damien would have done. Um, uh, you know, once once he left. So. He can sort of add that into the mix of, you know, being outside with my dad was sort of that sort of uh, my role and that sort of was bumped up, if you like, by the fact that Damien left. Um, So, yeah. So, you know, lots of hard work. Um, um, You know, it could be difficult at times. Uh, My dad was quite old at that stage, relatively speaking, I guess. Like, I was 9 or 10 and he was in his early 50s. Mm -hmm. Um, At that stage, he was... He just had a hip operation, and he was a bit spent, really. You know, he he'd worked hard all his life, you know, and he was physically he was worn out, you know. Um, yeah, yeah. And my mom was sort of in a similar sort of. She'd had nine kids, well actually ten. Um, um, her first uh, their first child died, and then they went <coughs> on to have nine more. Um, so, you know, they had a hard life. They really had a tough, hard life, and you know, they worked really, really hard. And, you know, they, 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 you know, we never wanted for anything. We were, you know, we were, I guess, we were sort of typically sort of rural working class. Mm. You know, there wasn't, there wasn't um, any surplus money floating about. But, you know, we, we were never wanted for anything as such either, you know. So we were, I don't know, it's hard to, it's all relative, isn't it? Like it's, we weren't poor, poor. But there wasn't, you know, there wasn't, there wasn't any extra money floating about. You know yeah. You know, it was yeah. just, and it was a subsistence type farming as well. Like we had a vegetable garden and we grew our own potatoes and cabbage and carrots mm. and parsnips and lettuce and scallions and you name it. Um, and that was part of the work on the farm as well every year, you know, out in the garden with my dad and digging mm. and picking weeds and all that kind of stuff and you know it was it was hard physical work but you got used to it you know you just got on with it
0: so as well as farming for a business you farmed f- for yourselves as well
1: um, yes yeah yeah I guess that's probably it yeah yeah that mm. it was a business in the sense yeah that my dad we had a dairy farm until I was about 10 or 11 and then yeah. we switched to what they call dry stock so that's cows and calves you know rearing mm. the calves on the farm with the cows um they they either call it dry stock or a suckling herd so and
0: and so is that for meat yes okay
1: yeah so you would rear the calves and you would sell them off um either as sort of nine or ten months old or you would keep them until they were like a year and a half old and then sell them off for meat. yeah yeah Mm. um so yeah it was you know there was always enough money to cover the bills and that you know and and to to get by but, you know, there was no such thing as going out for meals or... Extravagant holidays. Holidays didn't exist. Um, going, you know, the big deal was, you know, going to Boyle, which is like a local town, to go shopping, you know, to buy some clothes maybe. Boyle. Yeah, Boyle. Yeah, like my
0: local one. town's Mould, so uh, it's yeah, similar.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's 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 B-O-Y-L-E, it's not B-O-Y-L. Um, <laughs> yeah, so it meant M-O-L-D. People from Boy would be highly offended if, um, if I said it was B-O-I-L. But anyway, um, actually, just as, as an aside, um, do you know Chris O'Dowd, the, yes. the actor? That's where he's from.
0: Oh, really? Hey, IT crowd, is that I'm thinking yeah, yeah, the right person? Yeah, yeah,
1: that's where he's from, yeah, yeah. Wow, okay. Yeah, yeah. I played football against him when I was uh, under 12 and under 14. You are
0: joking.
1: I swear to God. He would. No, I'm not claiming to know him or anything. I that's, you know. Hey, let's um, just
0: pretend that you do he's your um, best friend
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. but I remember I remember going to a football match in, under 14 and I was actually one of the tallest boys on the team at the time but I was like you know 5 foot 5 or 5 foot 6 or something mm. and Chris was the same height that he is now when he was 14 <laughs> so I'm walking out onto this pitch and this absolute monster and I had to
2: mark him <laughs>
1: <laughs> but um, he was uh gently he was a gentle giant he was he was a lovely fella you know even then you know you could tell he was a bit of a laugh you know he didn't take too seriously he wasn't you know throwing his weight around he could certainly could have done Um, well
0: i often found that about the biggest kids in school myself the biggest kids in school were normally the they weren't the bully boys they weren't the ones like you say throwing their weight around
1: not always not always no No, that's true i think but anyway that's an aside yeah so i don't know where i was um (laughs) Uh, Boyle, Boyle. Yeah. So that, that was Cute. sort of you know going into Boyle to do some clothes shopping or mm. to go to the hardware store or something like that. Okay. okay. Or going to the market with my dad. You know, there were the days out. So
0: were you aware of the lack of extra cash? I mean, were you looking at friends and going, "Oh, how come they can do that, or how can they do yeah. that?" Or was that the normal area yeah. sort of ge- demographics know, I, of?
1: Yeah. Well, there was a lot of people like us don't get me wrong like you know I'm not saying that we are an exception we we were not to a large degree but there were a lot of people in the local town you know sort of middle class professional families or slightly bigger farmers who had a few more quid to spare or whatever um they would have went on holidays you know either staycation somewhere in Ireland or you know gone to you know over to Britain or maybe to Spain or you know something like that but uh, i would say still those kind of those kinds of families were in the minority definitely mm. so in that sense we weren't that unusual but I was aware that other families in the local area in the countryside and also in the local town were sort of had stuff that I didn't you know but it wasn't like a, to be honest it wasn't that big of a deal do you know because um, you know it just wasn't I guess you know but um, yeah so it, it was it was it was you know it was a lot of hard work and you're expected to do a lot which you know, had its drawbacks. It meant you, you, know, you couldn't really do a lot of things or just playing around and faffing about like a lot of my sort of contemporaries would have done. Um, but I guess the flip side is, you know, it gives a sort of a strong sort of work ethic and sense of responsibility and all that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. which is, you know, is, is no bad thing either, I guess. Um, but yeah, sort of layered on top of that then was the fact that, you know, my parents didn't really get on. Um, which is is it's a very long and complicated story and 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 uh, you know we could be here (laughs) we could be here all day uh, uh,
2: that's all good that's fine
1: uh, obviously we don't have that much time but (laughs) basically the you know the bottom line is it's like even i you know i don't know all the details of why it was the way it was or you know basically they didn't by the time i was a young lad they didn't speak to each other hardly properly um Mm -hmm and they communicated with each other mostly through their children and they were just desperately unhappy. They were in a uh, a marriage that was broken and had been broken for some time, I don't know when things sort of started to, to go wrong um, but they, I think they started to go wrong fairly quickly and that's which is kind of baffling in the sense that they had as many children as they did. Um, but that's the way it was. They didn't really speak to each other properly. They didn't treat each other like sort of normal adults, human beings would treat each other, mm. and that made them very unhappy and mm, made them angry and cross a lot of the time. And they would they would lash out and they would they would hit us because of that. When um, mm-hmm. I say us, I mean either you know my, myself and my siblings. Um, so that that was quite difficult for us obviously as children to to deal with um and it wasn't just your sort of uh, <laughs> how would i put it it wasn't just your sort of normal run of the mill you know smack in the bottom or clip around the ear kind of thing you know that you would have expected you know back then like i'm talking yeah, about yeah. you know the 70s and 80s where um i don't know when um corporal punishment was outlawed in Ireland, I couldn't tell you, to be honest. Um, I, I, I honestly haven't a clue, but, you know, I think the general sense, you know, when, uh, when I was growing up that it was certainly, it was okay to hit kids. Do you know, that was sort of part of... No, I'm not saying that everybody's going around <laughs> smacking their children, you know what I mean, or hitting them, but it was generally... Well, certainly my memory and my understanding of it, it was that it was, it was... Uh, Accepted, if you like that, it was normal to hit children.
2: Mm.
1: But um certainly, what 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 went on in our house was 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 not normal. In that, th- in the, you know, even within that context, like you know, so like even some of the teachers that we you know in our schools and stuff, they would be like, and I'm not going to obviously name any names, but um, would have would have been quite heavy-handed uh, mm. in interna- our national in our national school. Um, but uh, certainly, what, what went on in 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 our house was not normal. Now that's not to say that it didn't go on in other houses. I know uh, some friends of mine. Certainly, one again, I won't you know mention any names, but who went through a similar thing. Um, so when I say you know what went on, there was a lot of hitting, like full on hitting, punching, um, pushing, shoving, grabbing, shaking. You know, s- you know, proper slaps around the head, punches, uh, getting hit with a you know a brush, a fire brush or something like that, or Good. Um, getting charged up with a shovel, or uh, you know, getting hit with a stick out in, you know in the farmyard or whatever, um, like a timber stick or a, like a plastic stick. Um, so my dad would just you know fly off in a rage basically if you know something wasn't going right. it wouldn't be necessarily if you're you know being cheeky or given you know being naughty or whatever it would be when something would go wrong Mm -hmm. so like you know if I was you know I remember like going out feeding the cows of my dad this is when my older brother was still at home and I would go out and help him feed the cows with a bucket of milk Mm -hmm. Um, and you know I was like seven or eight maybe and you'd be trying to hold this bucket of milk and sometimes the calf would, would what I would, the word is puck, mm-hmm. so they would shovel with their head. Okay, okay. And I wouldn't be able to hold it, because mm. I was seven, <laughs> you know, so <laughs> it was like, it would go flying in the air or tip over, and he would just completely lose the plot. Um, and, you know, t- for me as a kid, it was very hard to get my head around that, you know, why, you know, why is he getting so cross about it? Yeah. yeah. So, you know, it's difficult to talk about, um, I don't talk about it that often, you know, I've spoken to my wife about it and counsellor and stuff like that and a few close friends but... um, So you
0: don't talk about it often, how often do you think about it?
1: Oh gosh, I... uh, it's hard to say really, Um, every now and then, I'm not sure what I mean by that, maybe every couple of months or every, you know, it depends on how I'm Hmm. feeling. You know, if I'm going through a bit of stress and anxiety, it comes back into my head and you know, those sort of the old feelings of 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 fear and anxiety that surrounded, you know, being around my dad. Now, like don't get me wrong, like I'm not saying that my dad was going around, you know, hitting us all the time. No, there's
0: no no judgment whatsoever coming from uh, my dad. I I get it. Get it. I, I get what you mean. Um
1: Yeah, yeah, I think it's difficult like but it's it's uh, you know, it was difficult to be around him a lot of the time. You know, certainly from about the age of seven, you know the way you start having sort of clear memories from, I guess, from about six mm-hmm. or seven onwards. Yeah. Um, up to 11 or 12, I guess. You know, when I started to sort of... G- there was a sort of an unwritten rule, if you like, in the sense that once you got to 11 or 12 and you started to get bigger and stronger yourself, the mm. it became there was a sense that well if if you hit me I'm you know i might hit you back (laughs) that kind of thing Um, and that certainly happened now i i never i never did that myself because i was never much of a of a fighter so to speak um (laughs) snap but um yeah but um it certainly happened with, with 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 some of my other brothers and like obviously again that's no judgment on them or anything but um um i do remember I've one clear memory as, as a small child where w- one of my brothers was basically in a full-on fight with my dad in the kitchen. Um, mm. Had him down the ground, you know, thumping him, basically.
0: How, how old were you then? Do you remember?
1: Oh, gosh, I would say maybe three or four.
0: So that would have been quite, a, that, that, I, I'm guessing that's quite a
1: scary memory. Mm. It's one of those memories that sort of etched in my brain, really. Yeah. Um. And, you know, my sister of screaming at my brother to get off him and all this kind of get off my dad, you know, because at this stage my brother was 14 or 15 and he was an overgrown 14 or 15 year old. He was mm. big and strong um, and obviously there was a fight about something or an argument about something and, the you know, it ended up in fisticuffs and all the rest of it and uh, uh, yeah, so it sort of got to the point where there, you know, my brother had gotten the better of my dad and and all of a sudden then he just stopped. and. Mm just walked out of the house and my dad ran out after him and effing him blinding and don't come back to this house and all this kind of stuff and um, you know that was my brother disappeared for a couple of days and stayed with the neighbour I think and came back again and he left home shortly afterwards yeah yeah so it was it was um, it was you know it was tough going in that sense you know it was you know not not very normal you know like I don't know you know obviously what went on in other people's houses but
0: I've noticed you keep doing that, kind of making excuses to yeah, stop anyone feeling sorry for you, maybe.
1: Yeah, yeah, well, there's, that's, that's the instinct, isn't it? Because yeah. You, yeah. Kinda, you have to sort of shake yourself down and try and get on with life, you know. Mm. But, it's like,
0: but you can still give yourself compassion and empathy and allow that, that child, that, you know, little Aiden, to, to, yeah. uh, to allow the thought that, that they went through a hard time. You went through a hard time.
1: Yeah, yeah, well I've spoken to, you know, recent recent years with a counselor about it and you know they they've said the same thing, you know, mm. that you need to give, you know, you need to um, recognize that that you, you had a, a difficult time, mm. and not be trying to sort of explain it away. Um and they're right. You know, they're yeah. right, you you know, you're, you're absolutely right and it, it it's it's like but I guess there's always that sort of sense that there's somebody else out there who's had it worse than you and have experienced far worse things, and certainly I know friends of mine, you know, who had have awful traumas in their life, and and, and you know even very close family members. Who have had,
0: Absolutely. You know. However, what I would say to that is your worst trauma is equal to their worst trauma in yeah. terms of how we pro- we process it.
1: Yeah. No, look, don't, you know, don't get me wrong. I, I do agree with you, and it's it's just for me. It's like I've recognised that now. yeah i do i do accept that but for a Mm. long time i didn't and you know you know i would try and sort of explain it away you know to the nth degree kind of thing Mm.
0: um well it helps we have we have um coping mechanisms don't we and and i suppose to an extent it'll be it'll be part of your coping coping strategy
1: yes yeah yeah i guess it is yeah yeah so you know like i guess to get back to the the story, as it were, like uh, that's the way it was, and, and it was the same for me. It was same for you know, same for my brothers and my older brothers and my sisters as well. You know, my mum would would lash out, and you know, bless her, like she's still alive. You know, and and <coughs> you know, um, you know, she had she had a tough life as well. My dad, you know, they both, you know, they both had a tough life, and it was you know, the context is, you know, I would say my feeling is that they weren't inherently bad people. Um, They were in a very, um, they were in a, they felt trapped, I think, you know, because they were, you know, for their generation, you got married and you had a pile of kids Mm. and there was no such thing as separation or divorce or anything like that. There was one family in in our locality where that happened and it was because you know for extreme reasons um, but like it just it just didn't happen so there was no way out um, for them and they were trapped in this, this, this marriage where they couldn't get on and they didn't see eye to eye and they were just very different people and it just slowly sort of gradually descended into this sort of I don't know how you describe it, this sort of um, war of attrition, (laughs) basically, I guess. (laughs) Um, Obviously, it's not funny, but they just had to find a way to live together but not live together in the same house. And they just treated treated each other abominably, you know, and and spoke to each other in in a really negative way and hardly spoke to each other at all in later years. And as I say, I tried to communicate with each other through us, you know, tell your mum, tell your mother this or tell your father this. Oh, really? Yeah, 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 and slagging each other off in front of us and, you know, all this kind of stuff. So,
0: it's fair to say it wasn't a happy, happy time then?
1: Well, it wasn't, no, a lot of this, like I've, again, you know, and this is not me trying to, I guess, explain it away again. but. Like there was lots of happy times. Mm -hmm. Like it wasn't just one sort of long stream of misery. Uh, Like what we did have, we did, there were a lot of the times where we rubbed along quite okay together and had a lot of fun and had a lot of good times and a lot of laughs and you know, our house was like what you used to call a rambling house. So people Mm -hmm. used to come into our house all the time, neighbors and friends and stuff. And of course everything would be hunky-dory when anybody else would be around. And uh, everyth- you know the sort of pretense of of everything being normal would be would be kept up, um, but you know that genuinely there were a lot of happy times, and we, you know, our sib- you know, us as siblings when we were kids, we were quite close, and we sort of looked out for each other, and we get on very well, um, and you know, as I say, there were a lot of happy times, but yeah, it was there were a lot of unhappy times as well, mm.
2: yes.
1: yeah, definitely for me anyway, and you know, I can't speak for for. Um, uh, for my siblings but uh, you know um certainly it's had a big impact on on most or all of us in one way or another um w- you know what happened to some of our children definitely um, yeah but well. i think some of us are are a bit more inclined to talk about it than others and some of us have different memories of what happened and the other thing i guess to try and explain as well it was a very gendered um upbringing so um, there was a, there was certainly a, a a sense that the girls got on better with my dad and the boys got on better with my mum, mm. Mm. and and that was because of the dynamic, the way my mum treated the girls and the way my dad treated the boys.
0: Could that, that also had something to do with the fact that you boys spent much more time with your dad and the girls spent much more time with with your mum? And yes,
1: so yeah, yeah. 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 I think so. Yeah. I think that was a big part of it. I think it was also part of the way that my parents sort of um, related to each other as well, in the sense that they commun, you know, in the sense they communicated through us with each other mm-hmm. in that way. So it was it was convenient, I guess, for my dad to com- you know to communicate with with mommy, you know, through through the boys or you know, mm. the you know yeah it's sort of a, yeah it's a, it's a complicated sort of mess but uh, I think you get the general gist um, so did uh, you so yeah. from the age of
0: well from, from a very young age you worked kind of all the way up through to to what's what
1: sort of age then on the farm Um, well right up until you know I left home like I didn't leave home until I was in my early 20s but most of my brothers left home when they were in their mid to late teens as soon
0: as they could sort of thing
1: as soon as they could get out of there Mm. because it was unbearable for them you know they couldn't get on with my dad he couldn't get on with them regular fights and rows and it was just it was unsustainable Mm -hmm. Um, um, so yeah and then the girls usually so none of the boys I was the all of my, my four brothers didn't finish school, say like secondary school. Mm-hmm. Um, I, was the, I was the only one of the boys to finish secondary school. Um, and that only happened because one of my brothers actually moved back home um, when I was about 14 or 15 Yeah, um, to take over the farm um, eventually, because at that stage my dad was in his like nearly 70. Mm. And had, was basically, ran out of options basically um hadn't sort of met any sort of plan for what was gonna happen. But that's that's a whole other story. But um um yeah, so the boys left home the young and the girls left home soon after they finished school. Um Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it was sort of get get, get, get out of dodge basically <laughs> as quickly as 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 you could. Um so yeah that's just that's that's the way it was, you know. But, um So you stayed
0: until your twenties though?
1: I so yeah, I did my leaving cert, which is like the equivalent of the A levels mm-hmm. um, here in Britain um, and in Northern Ireland, obviously. Um, so yeah, as I say, I probably wouldn't have finished school if if my brother hadn't come home. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but I did, and I but I didn't do very well. I had basically, m- I was actually chatting to my wife about this the other evening. I'd missed half of. So, there's what they call pre-leaving and leaving search year. So, fifth year and sixth year, which is, I guess, the same as GCSE and, and A-level, I guess. Okay, yeah. Anyway, it's about the easiest way that I can explain it. So, I missed half of the second last year of my schooling because I was staying at home on the farm doing the work and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I basically had a year to do, to prepare for exams that you would normally spend two years, still, you know, you know, getting your head down and, and preparing for and, and, you know, going to school and, you know, the basics of <laughs> going to school. <laughs> Absolutely, and, uh, yeah. Uh, So, yeah, so I didn't do so well on my leaving certs. went to um institute, what they called an institute of, of technology, so s- similar to the polytechnics over here, mm. and did a business studies course. Um, don't ask me why I did that, it was a complete waste of time. Um, I had no interest in business studies, but it was like the only thing that I got enough points to get into um, and proceeded to sort of make a complete hash out of that. Um, at that stage I was drinking very heavily. Um, yeah, You know, I'd started drinking at quite a young age, 13, 14. Oh, wow, okay. Yeah, yeah. And sort of got progressively worse, uh, you know, as I got older. Mm-hmm. Um, Uh, into my sort of mid to late teens. So I sort of crashed out of that that course Mm. in the the Institute of Technology and then moved back home with my tail between my legs, Mm. Um, which wasn't a particularly pleasant uh, experience. And then I started working in a fitted furniture factory which again was like, I was absolutely useless at uh, the practical soldiers at school. I was always bookish history, you know, uh, English, geography, you know, that kind of thing. That's what I was really good at, especially history and English. Um, but I guess because of, you know, where I grew up and you're expected to do sort of man's work kind of thing, um, you know, that was sort of what I ended up doing. Did that for about two and a half years, and then left that, and then did various other jobs, um, working in bars, restaurants, nightclubs, <coughs> until I was 22, um, and then I applied to go to university as a mature student, um, mm-hmm. and did that, and ended up going to, to university in Galway, which is like the largest city in the west of Ireland. Yeah, um, and I don't I was actually twenty. I was twenty-three. I just turned twenty-four. Actually, when I started there,
0: was that bowl? Was that something that you always dreamt of? Or was or did it just um, think, mm, what, "What am I, I going to do?" I
1: remember. I remember when I was doing my leaving cert, sort of thinking I'd love to study history at Trinity College Dublin. Okay. Um, but it was completely out of my grasp.
0: Is that um, the Oxford, Cambridge? Yes. Equivalent, yeah.
1: okay. Yeah, essentially, yeah, yeah. It's like Trinity is one of the oldest um, universities in um, Ireland and Britain. You mm. know, it's it's not quite as old as Oxford, Cambridge, or Durham, probably, but it's it's it was established in the late sixteenth century. Um, so, yeah, so you needed in Ireland. You need if you want to go to university, you need to have done a language for your leaving search for your A levels, and I yeah. and I hadn't done. Um, um, so that was our. I couldn't do it. Um, <coughs> so yeah, anyway, that's another story. But um, Yeah, but so I was always interested in history and politics. That was one of the nice things actually growing up um, with my dad was he was always interested in history and politics. And I used to watch the news with him. Like when everybody else was, you know, I don't know, watching something fun. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, I, was, I, was, I was sat in the, I was sat in the uh, what we used to call the television room. Funny enough, um, um, watching, um, the nine o'clock news with my dad mm. or, or watching what they used to call today, tonight, which is like the equivalent of news night yeah. Yeah. or questions and answers, which is the equivalent of
0: question, question time, time.
1: Yeah. So I was a proper nerd, you know, in that sense, <laughs> um, I, I, knew, I knew all the, you know, all the you know when I was 9 or 10 or 11, I knew all the presidents of Ireland and all that, you know, who had been the Taoiseach and who was in power wow. in 1956 oh. or whatever, you know. Impressive, all yeah. Heads. Um, so, and I'm, you know, I'm still addicted to that. Um, so, yeah, that was one of the nice things about growing up, you know, myself and my dad had that um, shared interest, you know, mm-hmm. in history and in politics, and we would sort of talk about it and argue about it and all the rest of it. So, that was, you know, they were the nice times, you know. Um but um yeah, so that's that's um I guess my early years um, um, but um yeah, I'm not quite sure where we go from here, but um
0: well, you're in university, I don't know all yeah. about that, but you were you still drinking heavily at this point?
1: Yes, yeah, I was, yeah I'd I'd sort of given it up, um, uh, when I was sort of half. All, not fully but almost giving it up when I was sort of 21, 22 because at that stage I was drinking really heavily and smoking a lot of weed and,
0: and what made you think to give it up or
1: it, where did that thought come from that strength um, come from well I guess I, I had a massive blowout in the sense that I was I was living in, a, in a, I'd moved out of home again mm. and I was living with some friends of mine um, and I got myself into trouble basically I was Spending money, the you know, rent money on, on um, drinking and <laughs> <laughs> dope basically, <laughs> and um, wasn't paying rent and was pretending to pay rent, and then I got ev- eventually I got found out, um, and <laughs> that was caused a massive blow up obviously with my friends and um, you know I let you know I let people down I felt really bad about it and but I was you know I was I was an absolute mess you know and th- you know in fairness we were all doing the same thing. Yeah, so
0: time-wise, this is the early 2000s?
1: Yes. Yeah, yeah, probably 2001, 2002. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah 2001, yeah. I would say, yeah.
0: And how was um, things like um, alcoholism, um, drug use, um, mental health sort of viewed in, in, the, in the west of Ireland, uh, that sort of time?
1: Well, uh, mental health was not something that anybody talked about. Mm-hmm. um you know it would have always been there would have been sort of local i'm doing air quotes here characters um yeah. you know people who obviously in hindsight had had mental health issues or whatever um had alcohol abuse issues um the, the, the drinking was a big part of the culture growing up certainly so, uh, mm-hmm. but that's not to say that everybody was you because know, you know there's obviously that sort of typical stereotype of Irish people, you know, they like a drink, but uh, in my experience, they don't like a drink any more than English people or British people or whatever. But, um, um, you know, I guess because I was drinking a lot, I was obviously moving in the circles of people who were also (laughs) drinking a lot, do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, Like I used to hang around town, you know, once I got to the age of sort of 14, 15, 16. I was working I wasn't only working at home but I was working on my uncle's farm so I had some of my own money and I was doing you know working on the bog um, I don't know if you've heard of the bog footing turf that kind of thing Um, um no no it's it's, <laughs> it's like it's like the equivalent of the moors over here only it's it's like it's yeah. like peace it's like peace Yeah really. the peat, yeah the peat bogs Yeah yeah, yeah. But so you, you, people cut their own turf in the, in the bogs and young lads like me would go in and rear the turf for like our neighbors and you get paid for it and um, it was bloody hard work but um, you know so I had a few quid you know, to <laughs> okay. my, of my own money yeah and that invariably was spent on drinking and <coughs> going out so basically when I got to the age of 14 or 15 the understanding was that with my dad or my parents generally was that um, I'm just gonna do my own thing here and Saju, basically. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, because that like, guy was pretty un, you know, pretty rebellious and pretty pretty unruly, and obviously that was down to what was happening mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to a large extent. Um, so yeah, I went out and drank a lot and played a lot of Gaelic football. So what they call the GAA, you might have heard of it, Gaelic Athletic Association.
0: If it's to do with sport, let's assume that I haven't okay. heard of it.
2: Fair <laughs> enough.
1: That's, that's fine I, n- I nearly um,
0: killed someone last night with a dart
1: <laughs> oh good grief yeah yeah well that could be that could be tricky yeah yeah um, um, yeah so I played a lot of Gaelic football so Gaelic football and, yeah. the, and so there's football and hurling they're like the two main sports in, 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 in Ireland mm-hmm. um, and uh, they're like they're like soccer over here for, for yeah people, for people. in terms of popularity yes, yes oh, yeah yes, okay yeah yeah So, I played a lot of that, I wasn't too bad at it, I enjoyed it, but, you know, I was drinking a lot, and smoking, I was smoking cigarettes, and, you know, once I got to the age of 17 or 18, I was getting, I wasn't as good as I was when I was 13 or 14, because I was drinking a lot and smoking a lot, Um, and I guess then when I was maybe, I can't remember the first time I smoked um, hash, I can't remember, maybe 17 or 18, something like that, mm. Mm. Um, so there was, you know, it was, I wouldn't say it was freely available, but it was, it was a knocking about, it was there, um, um, you know, some of my friends had it, most most of my friends wouldn't have. But what did it do, it do for you? It just numbed my brain basically, it numbed, you know, I think I drank and I smoked to, to forget, to, yeah. to, to be in another place. Um, <laughs> You know, where I was sort of half-adult and yeah. sort of, you know, didn't have to think about things. So what happened when you started uni and you were giving
0: up or trying to give up?
1: I was trying to give up. I was trying to give up. Um, what happened
0: in terms of um, forgetting, blocking out, if, if you if you were giving up the drink, with it were with those thoughts coming back in?
1: Yeah, they would, yeah, 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 yeah. But I just tried to sort of... Um, yeah, just muddle through, I guess. Just, just put the head down and you know mm. a good dose of uh, um,
0: distraction.
1: What, what, well, what people what what, what what you might understand as stubbornness, um, what we call thickness, where I'm from. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, you just, you know, you just, you you just carry on, you know. um, So yeah, I was still a bit messy, you know, in the early years of university. But then I met Sinead, um, mm-hmm. by now wife, and that pretty much changed my life um, you know she was a big a big stabilising influence in my life How did you meet? In a nightclub
0: mm-hmm. Well that's um, what I was guessing actually that's what I was guessing so were you tanked up were you both tanked up were you, uh, what, what was the situation um, what, what, were you, what was it like was, at that time? I
2: was
1: considerably more sober than I was um, <laughs> um, I was always pretty useless when it came to the uh, the opposite sex, um, <laughs> um, I have to say. Um, yeah, me, me too, so I gave them up.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: well, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, um So, yeah, I was just, I was always, in, I think, just incredibly shy, and, you know, I was always sort of bravado and all the rest of it. And, mm-hmm. But I think deep down I was just a bit shy and insecure, and, like, mm-hmm. you know, I always, there was always girls that I fancied and all the rest of it, but I never had very many, I think I had one, Steady girlfriend when I was 16, 17 And I was mad about her And and I messed that up of course And Because um, I was a total You know um, Too busy drinking and all the rest of it um, <coughs> But anyway yeah So I met then and, and uh, we met in a nightclub And uh, I had a few beers in me And I was probably half stoned as well to be honest And uh, I wouldn't have dared Went up and uh, Basically what happened was she was standing like by a, a wall in the nightclub where there was like a, a, a ledge where, you know, I'd left my pint because yeah. I, was, I was out, you know, throwing a few shapes on the dance floor with some of my mates. <laughs> so I, I decided to, to go back and get my beer and there she was standing there and I was like, good grief, she, this is one seriously good-looking woman. Um, what can oh. I do? And um, I plucked up the courage to, um, to, to speak to her. I think my pint might have been sort of half behind her um <laughs> so i had to sort of like walk up right beside her to get my to get to my pint <laughs> the all-important point and uh yeah so i just spoke to her and and uh we got talking and and um then a few other things happened and uh uh you know The rest is is history, as they say. A few other things happened. That's that's
0: gorgeous that you kind of saw. Would would you say it was almost love at first sight then? Or or one of those,
1: I don't know, light bulb moments or lightning strike? Yeah, I remember sobering up very quickly. I was sort of half, you know, frazzled, if you like. Mm -hmm. But I remember sobering up very quickly once I got... Talking to Sinead, and and I was waffling on about you know university and history and how much you know how great it was and how I loved history and politics and all this, and she was entertaining me of course, and <laughs> uh, bless her, and uh, I ended up walking her home, and um, she end, uh, she actually lived quite close to where I was living, mm. um, but I walked her home and that that was it, and we agreed to to meet, um, I think a couple of days later for coffee or something, and I got her number. Um, I had a, you know, I had phone at that stage, and I texted her on the day I was supposed to text her. I think it was like a Sunday, and um, she changed her mind, <coughs> and I was absolutely devastated. Um, and I was like, oh man, this is like, you know. This, you know, I'm going to miss this opportunity, you know, again, kind of thing, you know, mm-hmm. and um, and I just sort of, I sat there looking at the text message and I was thinking, what, what, what do I do? What do I say? And then I just sort of settled upon, well, you know, that's a pity, but you know, if you change your mind, let me know. So apparently that <laughs> that that impressed her. Um, oh, okay, that's perfect. You know, and the, you know, rather than sort of going, oh, right, yeah, see you later," kind of thing. I would have, <laughs> oh, please, uh, please, <laughs> <laughs> which would have been uh, my yeah, my cause have, of action. Yeah,
2: yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. So I sort of went for the uh, the sort of middle course. Maybe I do not Yeah, know, but, the um, cool guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, but it's a it's a funny story. I'll try and tell it very quickly. Um, um, it turned out that Sinead's cousin Deirdre mm. was in. Was in university with me mm-hmm. but we didn't know it
2: yeah maybe.
1: and one day Deirdre and Sinead got chatting like maybe a week after and Deirdre was saying to Sinead you know, how are we getting on are we out lately blah, blah 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 and she was like oh yeah I met this lad from the scum and oh he was lovely but uh, I couldn't really be bothered with you know a relationship with this I think she'd recently broken up with a guy and she couldn't be bothered sort of getting to the next you know moving on to the next stage or meeting up again and you know sort of Opening up the possibility of you know, sort of going out with somebody again, <coughs> and Deirdre was like, "Oh, he's from Roscommon, is he?" And she's like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's his name?" And she was like, uh, "Aiden." She's like, "Aiden," and she was like, "Yeah," and he's from Roscommon. And she was like, "Yeah," and, um, and is he is he a farmer by any chance? And uh, <laughs> she was like, "I think he grew up on a farm," and then she started describing what it looked like and all the rest. And then they discovered that it was that it, it was me. And long story short, they were having a party in Sinead's house, Sinead and Deirdre and some of my mates actually from university, and they all (laughs) discovered, they all got in, they all discovered that Sinead had been with Aidan, and next thing I got a text from one of my mates saying, oh why don't you come to this party, we're all at this party, and I was like, oh yeah, fair enough, well where is it, and he gave me the address, and I looked at the address and I went, oh god, that, that looks familiar. (laughs) <laughs> and um, I walked over to the house, and I sco- said, "This is this, this is this house. This is weird." And uh, Gary, one of my mates, opened the door, and he had this massive smile on his face. <laughs> All right, Aidan, how are we getting on? Oh yeah, grand yeah. And uh, I just walked in, and Sinead was in the kitchen, and I just went, "Oh hello," and just walked into the li- you know where the party <laughs> was, and sat down, <laughs> trying to play it cool, you know, and. Um, we got chatting and everybody sort of dispersed and went their separate ways and ended up chatting and, um, you know, um, <laughs> we went from there. Oh, wow.
0: So this was still in Galway?
1: Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah. when did you move to, was it Belfast? We moved to Belfast in, so I did a, a BA degree in History and Philosophy and then I did an MA in History in Galway. Yeah. yeah. And at that stage, I'd sort of, at some point, I think when I was doing the MA, I moved in with Sinead, and um, then we decided when I finished the MA that I was going to do a PhD, and Sinead, who's a dentist, mm-hmm. um, she was like a fully qualified dentist, but then she was thinking about specialising as a as a paediatric dentist. Yeah. And the best place for both of us to do the things that we wanted to do was in Belfast. Okay. Um, so we moved to Belfast and. 2008, early 2008. Yeah. So, um, and then we got married in 2009.
0: Mm. Yeah. Wow. Okay. And, um, and when did you uh, decide to start a family? Was it around that time?
1: Um, yeah. yeah. How old would you have been then? So uh, coming up to 30? Yes. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Yeah, So, Mm -hmm. We'd been going out, we started going out in sort of 2005, <coughs> and, uh, yeah, so we were going out for two years, left Galway, moved to Belfast, <coughs> um, hold on, let me see, um, I'm trying to think, because we got, en- we were engaged for two years, I think, so, we must have got engaged, gosh, in 2007, is that right? Yeah. Yeah, so we've been together for two years, got engaged, and then engaged two years, and then got married.
0: Don't let Sinead listen to this episode of the podcast. I know, yeah, I know, yeah, 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 yeah. He did I, know I, Sinead. He was pretending I do. not to. <laughs>
1: I, do try, I do try my best. <laughs>
0: Typical man. Oh, dear.
1: Yeah, I know, I know. yeah, yeah. So where well, was went, your mental
0: health at this point, then?
1: Um, well, to be honest, I was still... You know, I've only really... Admitted to myself in the last couple of years, in the last two or three years, that I have an issue with, with my mental health, that, mm. I am, that I do get depressed and that I do get anxious. And I do get, you know, I have regular bouts of depression. Yeah. Um, so back then, you know, to be honest, Richard, I don't know, it's, I got, looking back on it, I think I always sort of knew there was something wrong with me. Mm. But like, I knew that drinking was bad for me. Yeah. You, know, you used to send me to a very bad place. Like sometimes I would get—I never had a, a, a high tolerance for alcohol—and um, sometimes I would just get ridiculously drunk, and you know, really get myself into very daft, embarrassing situations, and doing things you know that I completely—you know—wouldn't be able to remember the next day, total blackouts, that kind of stuff. Like would you? A, would you be embarrassed? Oh, dreadfully so. Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: Okay. But like I would never admit it. It was all internal. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I didn't mean that in a in a shameful way. I I meant that in a. I don't know. I, I I suppose I felt sorry, because asking the question, I kind of thought you would say yes. And I I I do often feel sorry for people when when they. Yeah. 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 They 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 feel embarrassed and shame at at, at the well, behaviour. No, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm.
1: I don't know. It's, it's it's funny, isn't it? I don't know. Like the, that's just the way I felt about it. But I, I you know, mm-hmm. was always just sort of you know act tough and you know get on with it and you know. So that's that's just the way it is. And everybody else is doing the kind of thing. You know, but of course not everybody else is doing it. But, um, uh, so you know, I guess from a fairly you know, I guess by the time I was sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, I knew the way I was carrying on wasn't wasn't doing me any good. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. But I just ploughed on anyway, do you know, because, you know, that's what a lot of my, you know, a lot of my friends are doing similar things, drinking a similar amount, or, you know, but they were able to handle it better or whatever, or they were able to sort of compartmentalise their lives a bit better, and um, it was, as I say, it was pretty normal for people to drink quite a lot, it was, <laughs> but I just couldn't handle it, do you know what I mean, I, I, I just was never, as I say, I didn't have a very high tolerance, and then I would drink to excess, you know, I would go beyond what was normal.
0: And were you a an emotional drunk, an angry drunk, just like uh, you say, doing stupid yeah. things drunk?
1: I would uh, fall asleep sometimes, um, okay. in random places. Mm-hmm. Um, I would, yeah, sometimes I could be very cranky and get, get angry and be difficult, and you know, get into the odd fight here and there. Um, yeah. So yeah, I was a bit generally a bit of a mess, basically. <laughs> You know, to to sort of to 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 give you the general gist. So I guess by the time I was, you know, I'd met Sinead I was still drinking, and but I would say on and off, you know, I think I think I need to stop drinking, and Sinead would say, oh well, you know, you're not too bad, and you know, don't worry about us, and you know, you know, like I definitely reined it in when I met Sinead you know, because you know I don't want to mess this up, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to lose her basically, because you know if I carried on. Drinking the way I normally would have done, I de- I, s- I would have definitely messed it up at some point. Do you know, she would have got fed up, you know, <laughs> quite naturally. Um, so I definitely rained it in. But then you know, there would be every now and then I go on the lash or I go on the session you know, some mm. of my mates and and there'd be heavy drinking involved. I um, um, like sned, enjoyed going out as well and having a drink and all the rest of it. But she just just you know, she could regulate herself and then do it like most people could, you know. Um, so you, know. you had
0: all of this going on in your head, you had all of these mm. fights, all of these demons and yet you were a really hard worker and pushed yourself towards e- excellence and and, and uh, difficult t- tasks like you know I'm gonna study this, I'm going to study that, I'm gonna yeah, do this, yeah. I'm gonna uh, start working for the, for the labor party. you know you yeah. had all of these all of these things going on whilst you had all of the other things going on at the same time.
1: Yeah, well, I guess I've always been, I was always very driven, um, <laughs> I don't know why that is, like, you know, I guess, we, like, we, you know, my, my siblings and I, we're all, you know, pretty, pretty driven, I guess, and hardworking and all the rest of it, and um, I guess I felt when I went to university.
0: Do you really not know where that comes from, that drive?
1: Um,
0: <sighs> Could you link it in with something, possibly?
1: Well, I guess, you know, apparently it's to do with our upbringing, obviously, and, and, and the fact that we had to work from a very young age and, mm. and, and all that, and had a lot of responsibility from a young age, but also the sort of drive to to get out and to yeah. get to see beyond that <laughs> and to, to, to experience the world and, and to, I guess the, th- the other thing that I didn't really say was, you know, I I was exposed to the outside world because of my siblings and because they had all immigrated to, to, to England. and. They would come home and they would bring their friends with them and, you know, I went to London when I was 10 for my brother's wedding and it was absolute bombshell, you know, in the sense that it was like, you know, walking around Westminster (laughs) and seeing all these, you know, to put it very crudely, I've written about this as well actually, and being Irish in Britain, but um, seeing all these black and brown people, it was (laughs) like, oh my God, you know. But yeah, because like yeah, because you hadn't, hadn't
0: seen diversity from oh, where no, you were from,
2: is that? No,
0: now no, no. no. no, I so, was I was kind of similar when I moved down to to London, yeah. um, from from the northwest. You know, I did grow up in a place that was, we had like a, a couple of of people in the school that weren't white British, but just a couple, and it was a it was quite a large school, um, yeah. and that was kind of the diversity in our town. So then, moving down to London, I absolutely loved it. And when I moved away from London again, thirteen years later, I really missed the diversity and the difference everywhere. I, like now, I live in this little village, and and there is one family, non-white family, and and that's about it. And I remember going over over to Liverpool to. I think it was Croxteth or Toxteth, one of the two. And I said to my mum back back a few years ago, "Mum, I found the place that I want to live." I told her, and she said, "Oh, it's really rough." That I said, "Yeah, but it's full of diversity, and it's just like Finsbury Park." Oh, <laughs> so yeah. that was that was me. I absolutely loved the diversity and the difference because I got bored.
1: Yeah, <laughs> bored. yeah, I know. I know what you mean. Like it, it's like my you know as I say, my mind was blown, and I loved it. You know, it was just amazing to see all these different people and mm-hmm. you know everything just seems so cool you know when you're that age and you see mm-hmm. all these you know good looking sort of young people you know going mm-hmm. around and, and, and like a lot of know, my, my siblings were in their sort of late teens and early twenties and they had lots of friends and um, they, my brother had a couple of Dutch friends and, and, and they were actually wow. gay, they, they were a gay couple oh, um, oh, okay. and lovely guys and, and it was just it was so funny like because So you got to yeah. see
0: all of life? Yeah, yeah yeah
1: yeah 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 yeah. but it was just so funny because you know my mom and dad would have like that was just so alien to them <laughs> but you know in fairness to them fair play to them you know they just you know we went over for about a week for my brother's wedding and like my dad be sitting there chatting to my brother's gay friends like getting on like a house on fire like
0: so just taking it in the stride
1: well I think he knew that kind of half knew that they were gay but mm-hmm. he, it just you know it wasn't it wasn't like mentioned or anything or discussed do you know mm-hmm. what I mean but like you know they were lovely people and and it was just it was it was an amazing experience and, and it really, you know I, I guess what I'm trying to in around roundabout what I'm trying to say is I knew there was a world outside of out, outside of Elfin and the farm and you know I knew that I could I could aspire to something else I guess. So did you always know that
0: you'd moved to England?
1: I guess I always felt that it was a very high probability that I would end up. Or
0: just the UK in general, Yeah, taking yeah. in Northern Ireland? Or.
1: I think when I was in my late teens and early twenties, that thought had actually left my head, and I thought I'm just going to end up being around at home. And mm-hmm. um, because of that stage, late nineties, early noughties, so sort of Ireland was doing well, you know, Celtic Tiger, there was, you know, lots of jobs around, mm-hmm. um, there was way more opportunities than there were in the seventies and eighties. Was it more, was
0: there a sense that it was more, where you were, was there a sense that it was more settled in yeah. terms of the good friday agreement and stuff like that
1: yes yeah yeah i guess so yeah ireland felt a bit more at ease with itself you know obviously there'd be lots of people who would dispute that um no, i don't no
0: know worries. if you can hear that dog barking but there's a neighbor outside just waving to my neighbour's window and I their dog you. is going mad <laughs> i can hear his loud barking so i apologize <laughs> yeah. dear listener and i apologize aiden but no worries, <laughs> that's no what you're getting about. for a couple of minutes
1: yeah you might you might uh, you might be exposed to to conal and maria at some point but uh, we'll see <laughs> um but um yeah so um yeah but i guess we ended up yeah so as i say in my sort of late teens early 20s i guess i sort of changed my mind about oh yeah i'm definitely gonna end up in england or the uk Mm. because there's lots of jobs and opportunities here but it just it just that's just the way it kind of worked out in the end Mm-hmm. Without actually trying or thinking, oh, I definitely want to move to England. It's just the way it worked out, um, because when we were in Belfast and I was doing my PhD and she was training to be a specialist dentist, um, we had to move to Cardiff for her to finish her training. Um, yeah, okay. And that's and then once. This is going
0: to sound like a really strange question to ask, but you mean Cardiff in Wales? Yes. Yeah. Only because there could be a Cardiff in Ireland. I don't know. <laughs> I see you no, were close no. to me then. Then I'm, well, I was
1: close to me. I'm in North Wales. All right. So in yeah. the same. Yeah. In the same country. <laughs> the same country. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So we lived in in, in in Cardiff. But I guess trying to get back to where you know, where did the the urge to to push myself come from? I guess it was partly, you know, my upbringing, and partly the sort of the desire to get to get out and to see the world. And I always knew I was interested in history and politics, and I guess I thought you know I might be a teacher or I might you know do some you know something education wise at some point mm-hmm. and you know in order to do that, I would probably need to move away from home <laughs> um, or almost certainly so um but yeah, I've always been fairly driven and, mm. and you know despite everything despite all the sort of messiness and and ups and downs of my life and and the sort of mental health problems that I had that I wasn't necessarily aware of at the time. Um, you know, I was still sort of plowing on and trying. And, like, certainly, as I say, once I met Sinead, that was a big turning point in my life. <laughs> major turning point. Um, you know?
0: Okay, so then what came
1: next, kids? Yeah, so, yeah, we got married in 2009, and uh, Maria was born in 2000 and. Eleven. Well, actually, we had we had a miscarriage um, in two thousand and ten. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah, that was that was that was that was sad. Um, yeah. It was. It's weird. It's weird. Very weird. Yeah, the,
0: and not enough support. I don't think still.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, it was very. You know, you just went in and she had to have the. I don't go into too much detail. I don't know what they call it. Some procedure, anyway. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um. Like I remember when we went in for the the ultrasound, and it was like you could just tell there was something wrong. They were sort of they were sort of looking at us and oh, ooh. it was like I can't remember what, how many weeks it was, maybe I don't know, maybe eight or ten weeks or something like that. And you could just tell, you know, within thirty seconds a minute that there was something wrong. And <coughs> basically, there was, there was no, was no, nothing had happened basically. Um, so yeah, so she you know, she had let's go and have the mm-hmm. or had to have the procedure and that was very yeah, you just went in and had the procedure and then you were home again and it was like, Well that's it. You know, it's like it was very mm-hmm. strange. Not yeah. not pleasant not pleasant at all, but obviously worse for, for Sinead. Um so but yeah, yeah, then we, we, we got pregnant again fairly quickly and, and um and Marie was born thankfully in, in, in 2011 when we'd yeah we were sitting hold on no we're in Cardiff at that point so we've been in Cardiff we moved to Cardiff in I'm gonna say it was 2010 it was August September 2010 and Maria was born the following August no mm-hmm. following July sorry following July
0: I said at the start um, that you can point the listener um, to a place where they can read about this in more detail. I feel like you should go there as well and read about it in more detail. Yeah. <laughs> in more yeah. detail. I know, I know, I know.
1: Uh, yeah, Well, it's sort of the absent-minded uh, typical man, as you say.
0: Um, yeah, you're only a few years older than me, and that I know what that's like. It's, it's yeah, getting there um, already. Yeah,
2: trying to remember all the important details.
0: So how did fatherhood affect... Your mental health—did it affect it?
1: Um, I think it did. In hindsight, yeah, it was good for me in the sense that it gave me a positive focus in my life and and something to 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 feel positive about. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it was you know it was great. Um, but it also, I guess, it made me anxious in the sense that you know how am I going to be able to to do this because, uh, you know, I can barely look after myself kind of thing, you know. Mm-hmm. I was still sort of struggling, you know. Um, and, um, you know, Maria was born, as I said, July 2011, and i just finished the PhD, mm-hmm. and I didn't have a job, and Sinead was still doing her training, and was on, you know, which was on very good money, but not a considerable amount when you've got a family let's say mm. um, so she needed to go back to work because she was eminently more employable than I was um, PhD <laughs> in history you know Yeah,
2: uh, yeah. Um,
1: <laughs> so Sinead went back to work after three months and uh, I was at home with Maria mm. um, so it was a bit of a shock to the system um, but uh, I, I managed um, I think it, I did a, a pretty good job I'm pretty happy with it I coped with it I think overall um, mm. But it was a great experience. It was brilliant, you know. It was it was a real a real eye, eye opener, you know, having to look after a small little person. Um, Absolutely. Uh, you know, mostly you know during the day, uh, on on her own, you know, going for for walks in the park and making all the meals and all that kind of stuff and just generally hanging out. Um, yeah. So sounds lovely, actually. It was lovely. Yeah, I did. It was like I- that was like for about eight months solid, I think. It was just me and Marie at home, and then I started working part-time.
0: Were you consciously aware that you wanted to be a completely different father than your own father?
1: Oh gosh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, that's always been very much the forefront of my mind, that if I ever did have kids, and I I, I think I always knew I wanted to have kids. Um, I say always, but you you know, sort of, from sort of early adult life I guess maybe um,
0: yeah now I get that because I was always yeah, the same I, I just haven't, yeah. had the, haven't had the
1: opportunity but. right, right yeah okay. okay. well maybe one day maybe one day maybe
0: but I am 40 yeah. now I'm getting old oh, you're,
1: you're never you're never too old you're never too old um, yeah we've got you know friends of ours who have adopted or you know whatever or mm. surrogate or you know,
0: it's, you know adoption might be on the cards maybe next year but I, um, wouldn't, I wouldn't put
1: it out yeah you know um, but uh, it's great you know you will enjoy it if you're lucky enough to, to, to get get to that place. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, um yeah, definitely wanted to be different father, yes, yeah, yeah, definitely. Um but as I say, yeah, so we were living in Cardiff. Um I was at home full time with Maria, I'd finished a PhD, I was at home full time with Maria for maybe uh best part of six months at least. And then I got some part time work teaching in um Cardiff University in the Centre for Lifelong Learning, and I picked up a bit of part-time work in Swansea University as well, mm-hmm. um, teaching, so tutorials. Um, so I was working about probably two days a week, three days a week, and then I was at home Maria the other mm-hmm. days, mm-hmm. and she would have been, you know, a nursery. There was a nursery locally um, in the hospital, in the Heath Hospital, the University Hospital in Cardiff. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you know it. Um, no. <laughs> um, I've never actually yeah. been to Cardiff
0: well have you not? No I've not I've been told by so many people that I should have I think I've been through it on a train that's oh, it
1: right. yeah. on my way
0: to West Wales bloody hell um,
1: yeah it's a lovely place Cardiff we loved it um, you know we met some nice friends there and it was a lovely place to live and people were friendly and yeah we enjoyed it there um, so yeah as I say I was at home with Maria working part time Sinead was working full time and we were renting and we were getting by you know um we didn't have that much money, you know, we were sort of muddling away, yeah, um, and then Sinead finished her training in um now, let me get this right <laughs> uh she finished her training in two thousand and twelve mm. s- I think <laughs> sort of s- <laughs> <laughs> summertime two thousand and twelve well, to have a look for you <laughs> no, I'm joking. <laughs> 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 and um, we were both applying for jobs at the same the time I was applying for academic jobs <coughs> history, teaching, lecturing, research jobs <coughs> and uh, Sinead was applying for specialist dentistry jobs and of course she, she, got, she got there first because <coughs> acad- academia is notoriously competitive <coughs> and um, I remember I got an interview actually for a job in Oxford for a research fellowship in Oxford Mm.
2: Um, wow! It's,
1: like it's one of those. Yeah, it's, it's one of those. Um, Skip Trinity. Sli- yeah, yeah. Um, it's one of those sliding door moments. You know, where I went to Oxford, Hartford College in Oxford, in uh, the s- summer of two thousand and twelve, for an interview for a, a fellowship, and I didn't get it. And I was like, "Oh man, that's it, isn't it?" I thought to myself, "That's mm-hmm. that's the boat, sort of gone kind of thing." Mm. And then Sinead got a got a job in um, in Bradford as a as a specialist dentist. Wow, so okay. We, yeah, yeah. So we moved up to Bradford in November two thousand and twelve. Mm. Yeah. And what a what a magical year for the country,
0: eh? Two thousand and twelve. Yes, yeah. Olympics yeah, the, the Olympics, yeah. The moves really, to Bradford. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. Well do you know what? It's funny, isn't it? Because, you know, a lot of people talk about that as a as a as a as a really positive time and yeah. It was, yeah. really, you know, it was a positive time and You know we were positive about living in 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 britain and and, um you know i had a largely very you know fairly positive view of of britain and british people and you know diversity and all that and Mm -hmm. um what was it like then for it for a an irish person i
0: mean i was living in london at the time Mm. and i had a boss who was irish um, up until 2010 anyway and she had moved over in i think the 70s yeah. and she was telling me about the signs no no blacks no dogs no irish yeah, yeah. um and just just to think that that was what a couple yeah. of years before i was born or maybe even after i was born in the 80s probably
1: was yeah. uh, is 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 uh, crazy to think it so is, yeah. Like I remember my my older siblings. You know, they would have lived in London in the eighties, mm. and certainly they would have said that. You know, obviously at that stage you still had the the um, the conflict in in, in Northern Ireland mm-hmm. going on at the time, and it you know it sort of moved over to the to, to, to Britain as well, and there was bombs going off in London and Birmingham and all the rest of it. and you know so they would have they would have said that you know you had to sort of um, not that they were singled out or anything, or or, or or constantly sort of abused or anything, but there were certain sort of situations and contexts where you had to sort of um, keep your head down as it were, or yeah,
2: you
0: know, so um, similar to 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 how a, a a Muslim person might feel today. Oh oh, yeah, some possibly, yeah. some person connected to 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 Islam has blown themselves up on the other side of the world. Therefore, I am to blame.
1: Yeah, yeah, I guess so, yeah. Yeah, they would have said that, like, around the time that there would have been, a, you know, if there was a bomb in London or whatever, that you would have, you know, there would have been the odd sort of dig or murmurac or, mm. you know, paddy this or whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was, d- you know, it was difficult for them in that sense. you know. Not only were they young and from a completely different part of the world, um, but they had to sort of deal with that as well. Um, wow. But, um,
0: That's bravery
1: yeah 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 yeah. I've,
0: yeah we've we've just um we've just got <laughs> i say we've just got as a ukrainian refugee uh our friends have taken in oh. and um and and he's <laughs> that sounds horrible he's been here every day i was going to say he's on a timeshare because he kind of is
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. we're kind of
0: making sure that he feels welcome and that he's got a bed here as well um and I, I I can't get my mind around the bravery and the things that he must have seen. And in a similar way, um, things that we, that you've just spoken about, then just moving as a young person to a different country where you're going to get a slightly hostile or or sometimes a severely hostile environment is is so brave.
1: And it is, yeah.
0: like almost I can't comprehend that because I suppose I've had it lucky yes I'm gay but I'm a a white male English born living in England moving to London I've got it sort of thing you know I can hide my sexuality if I want to but you know it's harder to hide accents uh, colour of your skin things like that so I'm always in
1: awe of people that do things like that I'll stop rambling now
2: (laughs) you're you're
1: right it is it is it is very difficult yeah yeah mm. um but like as i say you know those you know you have to balance the difficulties against you know as i say you know i think my siblings ha- also had lots of very positive ex- experiences of, of of living in london and, and you know yeah. Th- yeah you know they had some good, really great times and met lots of really f- good friends and most of them have actually settled down and you know, remained living in england various parts of england mm. but um so, Sorry, yeah, so 2012, you yeah, you're in Bradford. I? Yeah, i yeah. in Bradford, we move up to Bradford, and so Connell is born in uh, August 2014, mm-hmm. um, and at that stage Sinead is working full-time again uh, for about the first, I guess for about the first, I think it was like eight months when we moved up to Bradford again, I was at home full-time with mm-hmm. Maria. And then again, I got part-time work in uh, Leeds Beckett University, so y- it used to be Leeds Metropolitan, like, you know, sort of, used to be the Polytechnic, then it became Leeds Metropolitan University, and now it's Leeds Beckett University. Mm. Um, yeah, and got on, you know, was getting on really well there, was working part-time, same thing again, working two, three days a week, spend the rest of the time at home with Maria. Um, Connell was born then in 2014. Um, and um, I, in the meantime I sort of got involved in politics as well I was just gonna say then let's yeah. move on let's move yeah. on to the Labour Party the, La- the, La- <laughs> the Labour Party <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: that, was, that sounded just like Andy Burnham that did actually
1: <laughs> <laughs> I've got my cagoule on yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> um, so yeah I, I, I actually joined the Labour Party in 2010 when we moved to Cardiff it was just after the Labour lost the general election under Gordon Brown, yeah. and yeah, the coalition government. And I thought, ah, oh, saw this, you know, I'm not having this. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, David Cameron and Nick Clegg chumming up in the in the in the rose garden or whatever it was. And I thought, <laughs> you know, could you get two more sort of privileged, identikit politicians in one small space? So you could try it. And say no.
0: Um, I was immature politically there and I actually voted for Nick Clegg. <laughs>
1: Did you? Oh, oh yeah. no, no! No judgment
0: here. Um, oh no! You can judge all you want because I voted <laughs> for him because I found him attractive.
1: So judge away. <laughs> well, he's not a bad-looking chap. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, do you know what? Like, I, like, I you know, I'm being daft. You know, like there was a lot to like about, um, uh, you know, Nick Clegg was was okay. You know, in the sense that he was fairly middle-of-the-road, fairly moderate kind of politician. No, um, listen, you don't have to do that yeah. to me. It's fine. Yeah. I'm now a Labour yeah. member. All right. Okay. Good <laughs> Um, I've grown up <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, So I, as I say I joined the party and I got involved in Cardiff actually first of all just you know going to local party meetings which are very boring and um, don't ever subject yourself to that if you ha- if you haven't I was going to go to my first one actually uh, don't, don't bother next,
0: <laughs> next <laughs> well no the new the new uh, person that's putting herself forward to be the MP contacted me to say that she'd listened to the podcast and she wanted to see if i'd be available to to meet up and stuff and would i come and and vote basically she was after my vote which i think she'll get because she sounded really quite cool i wanted my my. old mp who had been our labour mp for 27 years in this constituency and he lost it in 2019 to some to one of the only people that's lost the whip in the tory party so that's how bad his crimes were okay Uh, (laughs)
2: gosh
1: so yeah, I wanted who, him
0: to run again, but he's not. not.
1: Who is the prospective uh, MP, if you don't want me to ask me? If you don't
0: oh, don't, don't ask me that. It's Becky Becky something, was <laughs> name? That's really bad, isn't it? Shit. Okay,
1: no worries. Becky I may, something. I, may, I, may, I spent... Um, there was a by-election... When, this is sort of fast-forwarding a bit when I started working for the Labour Party in, in 2017. There was a by-election in Allen and side in um, early 2018... Mm. Um, where the it was very sad actually. The MP uh, I don't know if you remember Sar- is it his name was Sergeant
0: Becky Gittins? That's the name of the girl. Oh uh, yeah. right. Yeah. yeah.
1: Sorry. I, I, I yeah. Don't but anyway, the the I was yeah I worked for a while in in Allen and D side um, on a by election campaign. Okay. Um, yeah. So yeah, joined the Labour Party, got involved in Cardiff, um, carried that on and sort of ramped it up when we moved to um, saltaire just outside Bradford. We we found, <coughs> we, we, were, we found a place to live in, in saltaire just outside Bradford. And um, got got more and more involved. And then I ended up being a, a local council candidate in 2014 um, yeah. for the local elections. Um, stood as a candidate in the ward that I lived in, which is called Shipley Ward, um, and did that. Um, was going to do it then again the following year stand again as kind of because I didn't win, um, mm. Mm. Uh, but then decided against because I was, Connell had was born at that stage and yeah. was working part time and that was going well and I just sort of thought well it's a bit too much, um, but stayed involved and helped out the general election that year in two thousand fifteen, um, and then I got a job with. Um, One of the Labour MEPs for Yorkshire and the Humber region. um, Perfect. A guy called Richard Corbett, Mm. um, um, who used to be an MEP for Liverpool, actually. Okay. um, Back in the late 90s, early 90s, I think. Yeah. (laughs) So I'd gotten to know Richard. Richard um, lives in Shipley. So I'd gotten to know him through the local party, and I'd sort of, at that stage, i Sort of was getting a bit sick of working part time in university. I was working part time, hourly-paid work. Was no, pr- didn't seem to be any prospect of getting a, you know, even a fixed-term contract never mind a permanent one.
2: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: so, I was putting sort of feelers out, if you like, for for jobs in politics as well, um, and um, gave rich of my CV. And then all of a sudden, the job came up in his office, and he took me on the trial basis for like a month or two, and then <laughs> I was I was made sort of permanent then but then of course Brexit happened. Yeah.
2: Bloody
1: Brexit.
0: Bloody, bloody Brexit. Brexit, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> bloody Brexit, that's still bloody yeah. Brexit. Brexit. Even yeah, more exactly. so. Yeah, exactly,
1: still going on and on and on and on about it. Yeah, oh, but, um, no,
0: but but Boris Johnson got Brexit done, remember, so it's done. He
1: yeah, yeah, it's done, it's definitely done, yeah. <laughs> of an yeah. yeah. island. There's nothing, go, there's nothing wrong with it at all, whatsoever.
0: To be fair, we're getting pounds and ounces back so yeah. you know and yeah. cra- little crown symbols on pint glasses so it was all worth it
1: is that happening tomorrow i can't f- wait i don't know I,
0: yeah let's go and wait outside the supermarkets <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: um but you know yeah anyway so brexit happened and the brexit campaign was was pretty traumatic actually looking back on it now mm. Mm. and that didn't do much for mental health
0: no where was your drinking at this point
1: i had scaled back a lot but mm-hmm. still, every now and then, you know, there'd be a blowout every now and then, or I'd go out and I'd drink too much and couldn't remember getting home and that mm. kind of stuff. So, you
0: couldn't go out and have, say, two drinks? I was never
1: very good at that, I'm afraid. No? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, I don't know whether there's a, you know, sort of a slight addiction there. I wouldn't say I was ever, like even in my worst, you know, when I was sort of late teens, early twenties, I wouldn't say I was like a full-blown alcoholic. But no. I wasn't that far away from it, I think, uh-huh. to be honest. Um, I wasn't a million miles away from it. But you, certainly when I was at that stage, you know, I got, you know, settled down and got married and stuff and sort of cut myself on to a large extent. Um, but every, as I say, every now and then there'd be, you know, heavy drinking. Um, and obviously politics has a reputation for <laughs> that kind of thing anyway. And it's true to an extent. I think, again, it's, 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 a, it's a broad generalisation. <coughs> um, but it's, it's certainly true to an extent um so yeah still sort of dipping in and out of my sort of drinking problem and in hindsight still sort of struggling with um my mental health but not really ever fully recognizing it so when did you make that decision to acknowledge
0: it and 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 do something about it
1: um well fairly typically for me um I had to run against the wall, metaphorically speaking. <laughs> um, you know, That was a pretty solid pattern throughout my life in the sense that it's, you know, take it to the, you know, it was the eagle song, you know, take it to the limit one more time. Um, you know, I had to push, you know, I had to be um, something drastic <clears throat> to, 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 you know, to smack myself, punch myself, you know, metaphorically punch myself in the face. <laughs> and th- Hit rock right bottom. W- yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I started working for the Labour Party in 2017 and I thought, you know, this is going to be a good job. It was it was a permanent job, salary job, paid well. I thought, you know, I can do this, you know, cocky as ever. Um, and it was just, it was too much for me. And um, you know, with two young children, I was working full time, all hours you could send. You know, I was basically working as an organiser for the, for the Labour Party regionally in, in Yorkshire. And yeah. it's 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 a, it's a tough job. Anybody you speak to, anybody if you ever speak to anybody who does that kind of job, they'll tell you it's your your life's not your own. But I knew I knew that going into it. But I thought, oh yeah, you know, no problem. You know, I'll do it. Um, um, but it just and you know, on top of it being normally a very busy and stressful job, um, there was the whole sort of atmosphere within the party at the time. You know. With Jeremy Corbyn being the leader and the sort of the the sort of argy bargy between people who supported Corbyn and people who didn't. And <coughs> oh man, it was it was. It wasn't. I didn't enjoy it at all. Did not enjoy it. Mm. And I wasn't. I've. I know now that I'm not a very good multitasker, and it was the kind of job where you had to be a jack of all trades and do lots of different things and be good at it. And I couldn't couldn't cope with that. And then on top of that, all the aggro and all the grief and all the. You know. Been stuck between people and disciplinary matters and complaints and oh Jesus, it was it, w- it was not nice. I didn't enjoy it and basically got to the stage where um so I'd worked 2018, 19, general election comes up, thousand end of 2019, mm. the one that Boris Johnson won, yeah. and yes. it was just awful, absolutely awful, Um and.
0: The result, or your mental
1: health, what, what, or both? Both, both, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, both. And um, again, you know, it's like, oh, well, you know, brush yourself down, you know, be grand. Um, <clears throat> and I mer- I went home in February um, 2020 to see my mum and other family members. And I thought, you know, that'll sort of get away, clear my head, and, of course, going home. <laughs> uh never did that for me. Um and uh came back back to work and I was at some run of the mill meeting in Halifax with the local party and was driving home and it was like I was sort of I don't know how you describe it. I've written about it and the best way I can describe it is it just everything started flashing in front of me, in front of my eyes, and I just started to panic basically mm-hmm. and I can't, I can't actually remember driving home so Halifax is about about a half an hour drive from here mm. Mm. from Saltair from um, and I can't remember the drive home hardly and I remember sort of getting out of the car and just sort of wandering into the house and just wandering around the house walking around in circles and um, checking my phone and sitting down standing up sitting down, standing up, walking around, heartbeat going, boom, 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 head, boom, 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 and just had to sort of kneel over onto the couch and just, I was just having a massive panic attack, basically, <coughs> and just, just had a bit of a breakdown, basically, just, just hit the wall, you know? So, you know, there was something that happened in particular that day, um, you know, but it was just, I just snapped basically
0: that was the uh, last straw what? yeah yeah just, just yeah. that day
1: just that day for whatever reason i do not know
0: so you sought out counseling did you St- straight away or,
1: or yeah so doctor first um went into a ma- you know, massive slide of depression you know just hiding out in the house and like this is something you know again in hindsight looking back in my life this is something i would have done on a fairly regular basis when I was, I'd never had a panic attack before, but when I was younger, when I was in my teens and my early 20s, I would have gone through phases where I would have been massively depressed after mm-hmm. drinking heavily and not going into work and hiding out in the house or in the apartment or wherever I was living at the time. Mm-hmm. And not wanting to, to see the outside world. Um, now that kind of stopped when I, when I met Sinead then things sort of evened out a bit. But, you know, it, it still went on a little bit after that. Um yeah. but it it came back with a vengeance and um so about a month of just darkness and depression and just not wanting to see people, not wanting to talk to anybody, trying to talk to Sinead about what was going on with me, um, spoke to my boss who in you know in fairness told me was he was very supportive and, and they both advised me to, to get some counselling. Mm-hmm. Um and that's what I did and took some time off work and then towards the end of April two thousand and 20 I decided I couldn't go back because I just thought I'd, I'd, I really didn't enjoy that job and you know that's not no reflection on, on, on you know the people I was working with and you know I mean you know my immediate sort of team and that it just didn't fit you it didn't fit me and I wasn't <coughs> wasn't coping I wasn't coping at all and uh, it would have been a really big mistake if I had to go back I think I'm absolutely certain of that um <coughs> so yeah so that's that's when i really started to face up to what was actually going on and what what Do you know that i was somebody who suffered from anxiety and depression that was almost certainly connected to my experience as a child and growing up and uh, heavy drinking and abusing myself and you know just generally being a bit of a you know up and down and just all over the shop you know yeah Um, yeah so yeah it took it took a big thing for it to to jolt me into into reality basically
0: well it did i mean i i know what you mean by that but that big thing to me is your whole life yeah it took your whole life to jolt you into,
1: into, uh, into it. It did. I think, um, I think it's hard. Like I've listened to a lot of podcasts, and yours included, and you know people who spoke. Thank to you. It, um, you're most welcome. It's very, <laughs> very, very helpful, and, and, and I've listened to to Craig Oliver's one as well, mm. and, and obviously Ian Dale has spoken to quite a few people as well about about um, their mental health issues mm. and. That's been a massive help for me, um, knowing that there's other people out there.
2: Okay, you know, yeah. So knowing that you're not alone. Yeah,
1: it's been a big. Uh, it's a big mental block for somebody like me, who comes from my background. Mm-hmm. Very, you know, from my perspective, and this is no reflection on anybody, but my, you know, a very socially conservative Catholic background, mm-hmm. where mental health or your masculinity or femininity or sex or any of those things they just weren't talked about you know mm. how, how are you feeling nobody nobody ever said that you know you didn't that's not the people who didn't care It was just that's just the way it was that's um, why i like to start every podcast with the simple
0: question how are you but i don't mean it in a very throwaway remark i mean it you know how are you yeah. Um, and because I do think it's important to say how are you feeling, like you've just said, or or mm-hmm. to just check in with each other every now and again. But importantly, to check in with yourself. And it sounds like y- you never stopped, kind no. of looking. Or oh, is this all retrospect that you're saying this, where you sort of checked in and realized that you were this or you were that
1: or you you're feeling. Um, yeah. it, is, it, it is. It's retrospective. Yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah. It is because you know looking back now. I can I can see that, you know having mental health problems being depressed wasn't something that i was prepared to you know as i say i think there's a nagging feeling in my head that i always knew that something wasn't right <coughs> but you just you can't, you can't you can't admit it you can't you can't admit uh, weakness and you know that kind of you know the like i wouldn't say i grew up in a very in comparison to any other country, I don't want to sort of single out sort of <laughs> Ireland and Irish people and you know all that kind of thing as being sort of particularly masculine sort of culture, but it was definitely very macho culture, mm. and you were expected to be a hard man and to be tough, and you know especially if you grew up on a farm and you had to do lots of manual work and you know get on with it, like you know and, and
0: well, I suppose time has a lot to to do with that as well. A lot of heavy lifting, the time that you grew up in that country, mm. uh, you know, the eighties, it, it was. <laughs> it was very masculine where i grew up and i felt completely out out of of place but so i suppose time as well as as well as location as well as you know other other things as well as religion or or, um you know culture and and all of these different kinds of identities they all play into it don't they
1: they do yeah they do Um, um like it was a very sort of conservative catholic culture when i grew up and, mm-hmm. you know, um, I was aware of that at the time. You know, I rebelled against that. I didn't, I stopped going to mass and I was uh, probably 14, 15, refused to go. I, I bet that went was, down well. Oh, like a bucket of sick, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> well,
0: I was going to say a lead balloon, but, you know, a bucket <laughs> of sick will do.
1: <laughs> I'm just trying to give you the, you know, the, the, the sort of level
2: of... Uh, Full Irish experience,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I could have said something else actually, but I won't say what you like on here. Uh, All I have to do is tick a box to say there's dirty words in it bag of shite. There you go, Um, bag of shite. Um, you know, my dad was very, very keen on going to mass lesson, and um, I was not. I just just thought it was a complete and utter. Load of rubbish. I, I won't. I
0: won't keep you for much longer because because mm. you've you've yeah, gone really so, deep yeah. to and I'm really thankful. But I've got j- just two questions. Um, do you think that your love for history and politics was linked to praise that you got from your dad? No. Not or, or in spite of no.
1: your dad. Yeah. In, well, it was linked to the fact that we had a common interest. Mm. My dad didn't do praise.
0: Okay. Okay, and my second question is how? What are your feelings towards your
1: dad now? Mixed, mixed, but I'm okay with that now. Um, as I say, I've I've written about it uh, on if people are familiar with the medium. Um, I don't know if you are, Richard. It's like you can basically go on there and write a blog, mm-hmm. and uh, people can read it there. It's break. What is it? Breakdown, breakdown, or breakthrough? Um, fighting and facing up to uh, anxiety and depression. Um, so the fighting bit is what we've spent a lot of time talking about and the facing up bit is what we're talking about now. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, yeah, so, where was I going with that, sorry, I've lost my train of thought. Um,
0: sorry, my fault. my fault.
1: No worries, Let uh, let me let me give me a second, I'll, I'll get back to it. So I was saying, <laughs> God I'm up to be hopeless. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you're not I am oh, you're were, you were asking me about History and my dad giving me prayers and stuff. Mm. Oh, yeah, how do I feel about my dad now? So yeah. yes mixed feelings so on the one hand mm. um, I feel that there were good times and we did have common interests and shared interests And we used to spend a lot of time together watching the news and talking about politics and all that kind of stuff And that's where I got my interest in history and politics and obviously that's a positive thing because that's me, that's who I, a big part of who I am. Yeah. Um, um, but you know that's massively contrasted with you know I, know I think as I've written in, in the blog, that, you know that he was often a, a violent bully, um, <coughs> and you know he you know, was treated me pretty badly when I was, when I was a small boy, and I, was I spent you know a lot of years, certainly up you know from seven up to 10, 11, 12, where I was basically afraid of him you. Know. Yeah. Um, and, you know, living in fear is, is not a nice thing. Um, no, not at all. And, and certainly living in fear of your dad is, is, mm. is, is even less nice and very, very confusing. So mixed feelings, you know, but it's, you know, it's the same, you know, I can't, you know, same for my mum as well, to be honest, um, because, you know, she never, she never, I don't think she, did she, did she ever raise a hand to me? I think she maybe she did a few times, but she certainly did with my sisters, and that, you know, I saw that, and... That wasn't nice either, you know. So, you know, mixed feelings there as well, I guess. Um, so, yeah, it's 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 difficult, but I've faced up to it now, and I thought, well, that's that's the way it is, and that's okay. And there's no point in, in <coughs> you know, blaming myself or trying to explain it away, as you spoke about earlier, or trying to sort of, you know, to feel bad about it or guilty or whatever. That's that's what happened, and it's okay to admit that, and it's okay to. To uh, recognise that that has had an effect on me, mm. um, and it's had a you know pretty pretty detrimental effect in 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 some ways um, on my mental health. And it makes me anxious. It makes me, you know, if I get into difficult situations or stressful situations, it's sort of fight or flight, you know. And that I think that comes from mm. that's how conflict was dealt with in our house. You know, it was it was hit first, to ask questions later kind of thing. You know, and it was like you know that's. A lot of the times I find it very difficult to, to deal with stressful situations as an adult. And I think that's, pr- you know, ser- I would say almost certainly linked to my experience as a child. And yeah, yeah. So yeah. I've had to sort of face up to that. And, you know, all the drinking and all the abusing myself of drinking drugs and stuff like that was me trying to escape um, mm. the fact that I was a very unhappy and very unconfused young boy and young man
0: and it's funny because it's it seems strange as a mental health professional to be saying this but it it can have its place that distraction um but it's but at some point you have to face up to it
1: yeah yeah absolutely yeah yeah because it's it's it's, it'll destroy in the end Mm. Um, and i've seen it you know i've seen that happen to other people now i don't know why you know when i say other people i mean like people who have had problems with drinking and drugs and stuff like that and um, for whatever reason, um, mm-hmm. but it, it, it destroys them, or it can destroy them, um, yeah. and that's obviously not good. Um, and I think, you know, for a good few years there, when I was seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty, twenty-one, it could have it could have gone very, very wrong for me, um, and I'm lucky that it didn't. Um, you know, mm-hmm. um, so you know, and obviously meeting Sinead was was a big thing for me. Um, <laughs> you know, turn my life on, basically. Yes,
0: yeah, um, it's, it so certainly it's seems that way. That way. Yeah, so yeah. Sinead and um, the two kids, who, who, what did you say they were called? Maria and... Connell. Connell. Okay, yeah,
1: that was it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Maria is nearly 11 now and Connell is nearly 8 and um, they're, they're great. They're, you know, lovely kids and we're very happy and, you know, I have a great, great life in a lot of ways and, you know, I've gone back and Uh, When I left the the job with the Labour Party, I decided, you know, what am I going to do next? And I thought, right, well, I'll go back and write that book that I never wrote. So basically convert my PhD into a book. um, Perfect. So I spent the last year and a half doing that, and it's great to have the comfort and the room to do that, and uh, looking after the kids during the lockdown, and that all really brought everything (coughs) back to reality for me, you know, um, what's important
0: that's yeah that's gorgeous yeah i i I think there there's a lot of because i was just going to say me too but there's a lot of people have done that and it's allowed people to see the importance that that's at home and reassess their lives and that and that's really nice um where did you say that people can read
1: about all of this then so um blog i've got a blog uh a couple of blogs on medium which is um just a, it's just a website, basically, that allows you to go on and, and, and write your own blogs, basically. Um, so it's Medium. What is mm-hmm. Hold on. Let me check. Um, <laughs> medium, medium.com. But you can just search Aidan write Medium and I'll come up. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, and I've written a blog on, on my sort of experience of mental health. And I've also written a blog on being Irish in Britain, the Labour Party, Brexit and me. Um, which people might be interested in? Absolutely. Um, I've also written a couple of articles for Yorkshire Bylines as well, which is an online um, perfect newspaper. Yep. So people can again, if you just Google it and then write Yorkshire Bylines, I've written a s- couple of things on Northern Ireland, and I they published a short piece of my mental health piece um, in Yorkshire Bylines as well. We got pretty good feedback on it actually on on Twitter and that. Um, so. Yeah, if people want to read it, just just Google Aiden and Rice, Yorkshire Bylines, or Aiden and Rice Media. I, uh, I think it's it,
0: it is so um, inspirational, brave, and um, informative that, that, that you're able to to do these things, share these experiences, and for me, be on this podcast today, and it's been an honour. Um, thank thanks so much for joining me. It's been um, well, it's been a pleasure. It's, it seems wrong to say
1: it's been a pleasure, but you you know what I mean. I do, yeah, I know it has been, and thank you. It's been you know, i it's it's I was a bit sort of um betwixt and between as as to whether I should do it or not. Like even when I was writing about it, I was thinking, mm. you know, should I should I publish this and expose myself to the world like this? And I thought oh, I was so you brave. Know, you know, I've 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 gained a lot from reading other people's work, like uh, people like Alistair Campbell and John and Crace and Yeah. Um, Alistair Campbell is a is a um,
0: a target for this podcast. I'm sure. He's, I've I'm I've sure heard he's on that on. he said yes actually, and just to to message him. But um, yeah, so I, he's in my sights. Good, good. <laughs> well, um,
1: yeah. So I think yeah. Um, you know, thanks a million for having me on and and listening to be rambling on. No, thank to, uh,
0: you. Honestly, thank you. Um, yeah, uh, and hopefully well i know people will get something from this you will you'll help someone from doing this and i applaud you for that so once again thank you aiden and um i wish you luck in the future
1: cheers thanks richard
0: thank you